This is Bella. Ba, ba. Bella, this is Mr. McCandles. Hello, Bella. No! Oh, she's an experiment. Good evening. Her brain and her body are not quite synchronized. But she's progressing at an accelerated pace. Tell me, where did she come from? I shall. For it is a happy tale. I am Bella Baxter, and there is a world to enjoy, circumnavigate. It is the goal of all to progress, grow. A woman plotting her course to freedom. How delightful. Welcome to Movie Uppers. My name is Bob Sham. My name is Angela. The sounds you hear may be dogs. This December, we're going to the movies like every week. All right? And we like it. We enjoy it. And there have been some good movies. I think through coming in through the wire between this one and the holdovers, like I think it is beating a lot of movies we've seen earlier in the year. Definitely. As good as I do think some of those are, I feel like just sliding in right under the wire here we're actually seeing what i feel like is some of my favorite Absolutely. of the year Absolutely. but i will say one favorite of the year that we've already discussed the boy in the in the boy in the heron yes i got my first official youtube copyright strike yeah now when you're posting videos on youtube of course i'm showing trailers of the movie discussions there is some aspect where of course we're reviewing movies where obviously not trying to steal things you know and and really if we were going to do just straight up just try to like steal shit i mean you know we could probably triple our views and just talk about superhero movies over and over and over of the fuck again that's not what we're trying to do we're trying to learn about movies we're we're not experts we're fans striving to be experts and learn and going through movie history and to the guy that said that i should wear a shirt when i talk about classic films i'm doing it's a wonderful life nude <laughs> all right anyway i was wearing a tank top and i gotta like dress in a suit to talk about miracle on fucking 34th street man Stupid. give me a break dude my dick is gonna be out and arouse <laughs> For it's a wonderful life, and you just need to fucking get used to it. But we got a copyright strike on the boy and the heron. Japanese properties tend to be very stringent. Well, I've had this issue, but usually it catches in the process in which I'm uploading the video, and it tells me. And if it says there's an issue, I'll go back and maybe put some images over things to protect myself. But this time, when I loaded it, it said it was all fine, and then two days later, I'm getting. Uh, a strike sent from an email from a company that is uh, a Japanese company that pointedly looks for intellectual property and other things. So I wasn't trying to take the boy and the heron, but in the sense that whether I wasn't sure what they were pulling from because our at the theater selections are so like trimmed down and tight, 
that I, is it, it was it just this image of the, was it the trailer? Was it just this picture of the Wara Wara? So I opted not to re-upload it. If you want to listen to our review of The Boy and the Heron, which I actually think is very good. Me too. You'll have to listen to it in podcast form. You can see that on one of the links uh, in the show notes. If you click on one of those where the, we where podcasts are, be it our old SoundCloud feed or there's a Spotify link for the current movie humpers, you can find The Boy and the Heron episode. And if you're one of the few people that saw the YouTube version of it, well, that's a collector's item in your mind because... The Boy and the Heron will not come up again. We did not miss a day. They just took it down. And just to play it safe, I didn't pull it back up. Because we want to still be here with you guys, and we didn't do that on purpose. I've, I've, there's something so about, we can't take chances. There's something about Japanese corporations that go so hard here. I watched uh, this company, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, there was this issue on Twitter where they would do a copyright strike on anyone that would just post a picture of one of their wrestlers, right? And it's just a like a just a static image, not posting a whole match. You not could just be saying, "This is my favorite wrestler." And New Japan Pro Wrestling or Bushi Road or whatever company they hired to look for that would literally copyright strike wrestlers on the roster posting images of themselves. They would take them. That down. is insane. It this is it, it's it's a strange oh way. Oh my god! In America, like. It acknowledges when I'm processing the videos for most movies that there, that there is copyrighted material here, but it allows for usage because it's part of just the process of getting the word out there. It's, there is an understanding at least that there's a difference between using copyrighted images to in maybe a more fair use sort of way, which we're not going to get in the weeds of that law, copyright law. And not in a way that is just straight up jacking the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, but we were. I apologize for yawning. I'm sorry. A my, lot. My complaints about copyright strikes are real boring to you, but. No, no, we I'm went just to tired. One movie that we were guaranteed to see when it came out was Yorgos Lanthimos' Poor Things, written by Tony McNamara, based upon a book by Alistair Gray, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Rami Youssef, Gerard Carmichael, Christopher Abbott. You remember uh, Gerard Carmichael, don't you? We I uh, know the name. A long time ago, we went to a stand-up show at, at the Tennessee Performing Arts Center. Uh, yes. Going to see Aziz Ansari. And he opened for him. And he opened for Aziz Ansari. Okay. And was way funnier than, than Aziz Ansari. I don't know. Yeah. There's something about, I don't know. I, I mean, I whatever. It just ended up. Gerard was more our Gerard type was better. He really was like then. yes. Then we'd never seen Aziz. So we've actually stand up. And I, I I've seen one of his. Uh, uh, he has a couple of HBO specials too. I think I've seen one. One was directed by Spike Lee. I liked his character in this because now knowing that he is a comedian, I didn't remember where I knew him from, but that makes so much sense that he is the cynic. In yeah, this film. Yeah, it does make sense. And he's kind of the only one that doesn't have an accent, or at least a European-style accent. So mm. he kind of just plays maybe the more American type. Yorgos Lanthimos. We've mm. seen a couple of his movies. We need to see more. I saw I saw Dogtooth a long time ago, but I need to revisit it. I would love to see that. Um, but he's got other movies that we need to see, like The Killing of the Sacred Deer, Alps. But we have seen The Favorite and The Lobster. Love. And we love, love those movies. Love. 
And uh, Yorgos is, um, I don't know, he's kind of this guy who's, I think he's establishing himself as like, when this guy makes a movie, you you really should go check it out. And all of his worlds have this, it's like the reality you know, but it's just different. Twisted a little. It's twisted. It's like its own little, like an alternate, like something happened and the universe changed. That's what it feels like in a Lanthimo. And this is his steampunk movie. Yes. Right? (laughs) The skies, the the images of the sky in this movie, very bright, very digitized, but works yes, well. It works so well, but it looks it looks like a painting. Yeah, this movie. Now, normally we we don't want to go uh, in too much detail on this movie, but it's hard not to with this one because we want to break things down. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to be a little open about the setup, the first half of the movie. But not discuss the second half at all. Totally fair. And where it's going. But talking about themes, there, there's a theme of, you often like to say when a movie shows a strong female protagonist. Oh, that plot, it's a feminist movie. <laughs> This is a feminist movie. No, this movie. is literally. This is. This is literally a feminist movie. At the top of the list. Because it was all in one year. Seven people in one oh, year. Oh well. Oh well. I will say too. I know we're not going to talk about the second half, but truly, 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 we one thousand percent recommend this movie. Oh, this is good. So go see this movie. Even in some like, I felt like maybe you know the fish islands. I might need to watch this again. There's a few small critiques that I think we both have. I think just growing up in the 90s, we just we just have the, the fisheye lens was worn out in the 90s, right? Yes. Well, okay. I have a theory about the fisheye lens, but I think we have to talk a little bit about the setup before I can explain it. So this is a movie wherein Willem Dafoe is a surgeon who... You find out through the course of the movie, his father did experiments on him. He has a lot of scarring. He has a lot of weird body horror type stuff going on. He he, he speaks of his father, the stuff his father did to him, so matter of fact. Like, it, it's play... I mean, Yorgos' Your, movies are comedies, essentially, right? Yes. And this is no exception. So he's like, he'll just casually be... He's got his assistant played by Rami Youssef. And he'll be like, ah, oh, yes, and my father, when he used to, like brand my genitalia and then Rami be like oh my god and he's like no no <laughs> he's like no no he was a man of science he ha- we had to understand that I needed that organ in my body you know yeah it's it's pretty intense and that's one of the things that makes it so interesting is that he's obviously separated his feelings from what happened to him he sees the care he has for Bella as a weakness at some point. Yeah. Because he he has, without getting into the backstory and the why, Bella is a his creation. Yes. He explains to his assistant that something was wrong with her brain and he fixed her. And now she, her brain is not as developed as her body. So she's catching up to herself. And you see this in the preview that we played at the beginning where she's kind of, Walking kind of oddly. She's learning. We see a person essentially go from the equivalency of, of a toddler mm-hmm. to like a, like a, like someone who just graduated college, like within the span of 
Oh, I yeah. guess maybe a few years in which all this takes place. I think it's a few months. Maybe, yeah. Emma Stone, man, like, she really showed up for this shit. Like, she really threw down on this. She really put her all into this character. Yeah. And and you could tell that there was a level of trust between her and the the director there here. Like, there be. had My to God. be. My God, I know, and yeah. She, and you see, and, and this is, you, you know, I talk about how you don't see a lot of sex in movies. And like as much as you used to. And then this movie, you see it a lot, but it's not played up in that Skinamax way. It's just straight up, like straightforward, like fucking raw dogging, let's just fuck kind of shit. But in in a way that her character is absolute freedom. Yeah. And she, when she meets this guy, you know, you, you get, you get this setup where the Willem Dafoe, the doctor character is, Perhaps like a villain, right? Like perhaps he's going to, he wants to shut her away. He he's wants to keep her, her away. He wants to protect her. He's afraid of her going out in the world and you, something happening to but her. But ultimately, you can tell he has a maternal instinct towards her. Paternal, probably. Paternal. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also that paternal instinct that doesn't want to confine her and constrict her. So ultimately, he does kind of let her go off. With this character as played by Mark Ruffalo, who is Good also Lord, hilarious. Mark and it's, it's really funny how this Mark Love Ruffalo is a this. blatant cad, like a ragabond, yes. a rake. And Emma Stone, uh, Bella, that's her character's name. Bella Baxter. Bella understands instinctively that this guy is kind of full of it, but she just, you know, wants to experience what he's yeah. going to present to her. And, and so he is presented as like this, uh, this man outside of polite society, this guy who's self-proclaimed, like, separate from all this bullshit. But then he encounters this woman and he brings it to his life. And it's the difference between a man who's, who just, someone who has to say what they are, and Bella just embodies what he thinks he is. And he can't handle and it. And he, it break, just her being her completely shatters him. Yeah. And it's so funny because when they're first together, they're fucking and all this. And and he's like, you don't want to fall in love with me. He's like openly like, it'll probably be over in a few months. Not to get too into the details, but like he fucking loves her. And she doesn't, she does find love. She does figure out love. But of course, it's not going to be where people want her to find it. You're always reading now, Bella. You're losing some of your adorable way of speaking. I'm a changingable feast, as are all of we. Apparently, according to Emerson, disagreed with by Harry. Come, come, just come. You were in my son. She starts reading a lot, and she's reading philosophy at some point, and she's trying to understand people, and she wants to go out in the world to understand the world. There's all these sort of people saying things to her like, until you experience happiness and sadness, you can't be a whole person. You know, these things that, that she really takes to heart... And and the cynic Harry shows her suffering, which makes her want to help. And she also like learns, you know, the commodity that her body can bring. Well, and she doesn't understand why someone should be jealous of things. Like that's such an interesting conversation in this movie as far as like, oh, yes, sure. I'm going to be with you. But first, I'm going to go on an adventure And have sex with a lot of people. And why should you care? I just, like, the heat in my body needed to be released. So, like, I released it with, like, whoever was there. Yeah. 
And there is a comment at the end that is made about practical love. And to be completely honest, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Like yeah. this movie is brilliant because it, it sort of, she learns all these things and I'm, and I don't want to get into the why because I don't want to ruin anything, but it's this idea of really sort of without any assumptions looking at the people in the world around you and just very honestly and eyes wide open taking everything in and figuring out how you feel about it without caring what anyone else is telling you to there's feel no, about there's it. There's no presumptive filter involved. Yeah. And that's the difference between her and everyone out there. Even those who are more honest, you know that like the Harry character was not always a cynic. You don't always start that way. Yeah. You get to that point. But she's just taking everything on face value with a very sincere approach. And I just love the concept of a, of a, of, of a, of a libertine facing true, true freedom. And like he can't handle the Mark Ruffalo. He's so fun to watch. And there's even like this random like dance scene in it that's so well done. Yes. This movie is gorgeous. And that dancing scene, beautiful. I think what happens at the beginning, there's the fish islands. And a lot of things are in black and And it's white. black and white. And I think it's as she progresses, there's less fisheye lens. We go into color. It's as she's kind of experiencing life, things grow and become bigger. The one thing I didn't understand was like the circular shots sometimes. I wasn't really sure why we were honing in on certain things other than instead of others. But it it's just almost lends- like a silent movie where it, like you yes. point out like uh, that this is uh to to note that this person is being concentrated on by someone else the fisheye lens thing combined with the steampunkiness of it was the only thing that felt a little too much to me I think i'm just it's not a, it's not an aesthetic that i've ever been drawn to i think it just may be something I, we need to revisit and reevaluate and see if we can't catch something different in terms of shot choices i would love to Types of uh, lenses that they used because I tried to, at first I thought maybe it was surveillance, right? And then Mm. it was, and then I maybe thought, and then it kept going. Could have very well been in the beginning. And then uh, that's why I thought that. And then I thought perhaps later on it was like supposed to resemble some kind of constriction Maybe a confusion. A, an emotional confusion, philosophical constriction. That's what I'm thinking it probably is. But you're right. I, I feel like I need to see it again to catch it all. And the way this movie is costumed, it feels very old and in the future. It is like a movie out of time. It is set in this world. Yeah. Because they go to places in this world. But it's very, it is very fantastic. Like you said, it's kind of twisted a little bit. When I was thinking about this movie, I I had this idea in my head that I was like, well, back then they wouldn't do this. And then I was like, wait, there is no fucking back then. Exactly. Because then the next thing you see, there's like ships flying in the sky and insane inventions. But you have, but the reason it feels old is because you have surgeries happening in like the auditoriums, how they used to at the beginning of surgery for. Like, people sitting around in suits watching someone do surgery. It's so bizarre, but so wonderful. So, yeah, I think that's a good setup. We won't say exactly what Bella is or what happened, what made her. Those revealed pretty early on. But we'll leave that for the movie. Yes. 
as well as the end and where it all winds up. But there, there is something just very satisfying about this movie. Yeah. The performances are great. Emma Stone, like, fucking crushes it. I... The way she talks, the way she's, you know, she goes from just barely knowing any words into the way she speaks and the way she develops. It's like, it's so thoughtful. Like, I loved her approach to this. Yeah, she's... I think that's the best performance we've seen this year i wouldn't be surprised if she's up there with kate blanchett and what was kate in this year oh that was last year that was last year yeah that was nominated last year. we talked about it this year sorry well then she's up there alone she's gonna be it it. i think all due respect to your margot robbies i think she's got listen she should probably get this one right yeah our, yeah. Our boy Ryan Gosling, he's still got that supporting lock, right? Anyway. I don't know. What about what about Mark Ruffalo? Right. And this movie could get it for Look, makeup and costume design. Ultimately, it doesn't fucking matter to us with the Academy Awards. No. But we're going to give out some humpies. That's what I'm saying. And Emma Stone is looking strong for a humpy. Mark Can't Ruffalo think of better at this moment. looking strong for a humpy. All mm-hmm. right? Okay. Poor things. It's kind of like a, you know. Like a almost like a bride of Frankenstein in a way yes. you, in a way you uh, never would see coming. I, I thought that while we were watching it. Well, it's hard not to. I know, but it's and we it's, also just love that movie as well. But yes, but we're gonna uh, rate this movie combine one through five, one through five combined <sighs> best out of ten. Mm-hmm. We just parse through it. What would you rate Poor Things by Yorgos Lanthimos, the Greek Freak? I'm going to give this movie a 4.5. I will match your 4.5. And that is a solid, solid nine. ass nine. All right. So check it out. Right at nine, just below S tier. Poor things, Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, I don't know. Further evaluations of this in the future, further viewings, further discussions, further thoughts could put this in back into the S tier yeah, edge. I, I think it could. There's no reason why anything has to stay where it is. This these lists really just function to prove to ourselves that we discussed it more yeah. than anything. But a nine for poor things. Uh, that's in uh, the realm of in the Philip Kaufman invasion of the body snatchers. My own private Idaho. Mm. Todd Fields Tar. Sort of Doom. Some good ass movies. Hell yeah. Here. At a nine point oh oh. Check the show notes for links other places to find us. Again, the only place you can find our The Boy and the Heron review is on podcast. They took it down. Um, and hey, it is what it is. But I recommend you go listen to that in pod form if you have not heard it yet. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, a correction, uh, any fun facts. Did you like this movie as much as we did? We thought it was really good. I think it is our highest at the theater uh, review. I believe it's this one, The Boy and the Heron, and The Holdovers, I think, are our highest that we've seen this year. So, And those are good movies. So, appreciate you. Stay with us. Christmas keeps on trucking. If it don't feel right, don't do it. cut this interview, Nick. I'm not going to go into any more detail. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, Society, for railroading my ass.